Hello guys, welcome again to Thanks for Asking. Today on the show, I have a very special friend of mine who finally <laughs> has agreed to join me <laughs> on this <laughs> podcast that, you suppo- that is supposed to be partly her podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes guys, make welcome and Isiaku. Yay, thank right. you. Hi, Anne, how are you doing? I'm good, I'm good. Are you sure? Here in Dublin, but yes, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. Okay. You look good, by the way, like from what I see. <laughs> yeah, I'm wearing like outdoor coats inside to show you how cold it is. <laughs> I know better than me that is wearing a hoodie in tropical weather. <laughs> yeah, because I want to be on brand. So, yeah, I finally have Anne on the show today, and we just want to just sit back and have a very chilled, grown women type conversation because you know we've come a very long way um as as friends and <laughs> Anne is someone that everybody knows Anne. everyone that is a friend of doris knows Anne. in fact recently somebody was telling me of for something and she said if it was Anne, i'm sure you would have done it because it was me you didn't do it. <laughs> i can relate i get the same conversations every day with my friends like if it was doris i'm sure <laughs> oh yeah, I'm getting the messages after this. I'm sure like, oh, if it was me, you wouldn't have come on my podcast. <laughs> I'm getting ready. So yeah, um, she's here now. And like I said, I've just always wanted to bring her on the podcast. In fact, I wanted her to even co-host the podcast. So you're going to be hearing a lot from Anne as we go along. Okay, so um, because I'm the one who knows you like in and out. And if, I'm sure a few of my friends know you, but this podcast is for everybody. So could you just tell us a bit about yourself? Um, who you are, what you like, what you don't like, um, what your what you do for a living. Or, sounds very serious, but yeah, what you currently do, and you know, what are the weird fun facts about you? Yeah, go. Oh my God, weird fun facts. You're speaking to someone that's not fun by my definition, but let's go. Yeah. So, like Dory said, my name is Anne Isiaku. We've been friends for so long from NYSC, and here we are doing a podcast together. So, um, what do I do? I work in tech sales. So I work for Microsoft using our Azure platform. So we have a cloud computing platform that I think is becoming very popular amongst people these days. If you're trying to build any sort of business, I'm sure in some way you would look towards Microsoft. So that's what I do. And I cover the UK and the Irish markets, but I didn't always start out in tech. I started out in finance. Like I'm a finance girl through and through. Everyone who knows me will tell you how much I'm in love with finance. My team is sick of hearing it. <laughs> when, uh, yeah. Well, oh, every time they ask me, what's your future? I'm like, yeah, I'm going back to finance. My boss doesn't like it either. Right. So yeah, that's where my background is. I worked in banking for about six years. Doris, how many years? I think five years in Nigeria. Um, just hold on one moment. Let, let me check. Let me check. Let me check your CV, man. One second, please. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So about six years, right? Yeah, I think I spent like five years in Nigeria working in affluent banking, what we would call like private banking in mm-hmm. Diamond Bank. Unfortunately, oh, <laughs> I'm bought by Access Bank. <laughs> and I, sp- I spent like one year and five months in an Irish bank here working in finance and leasing. Yeah, so that's enough of my career. I'm right. not the most professional person, so let's not spend too much time on that. <laughs> What's your background? What did you study? I have my undergrad in economics and then my master's in finance. Oh, okay. So anyway, <laughs> welcome again. Um, you had, like you just said on the pod, like you started out in banking, worked in banking in Nigeria. You also, you've also worked in banking in Ireland and now you work in Microsoft. Um, and I remember that when we met, we were just really, we we're doing NYSE. So we had zero yes, idea. <laughs> <laughs> we had zero idea where we were going to end up in life. No, no. Okay. Well, 
Okay, let me not make it sound as bleak as that, but it was as bleak as that. There's no <laughs> need to form. <laughs> oh my god. Well, yeah, so we were serv- serving in Nasarawa. <laughs> and <laughs> and do you remember what that is? Yeah, I remember. Yeah. I had to put it on the form recently. <laughs> it was very sad. Like, we, you can't just X out some part it's of okay. your life. It always comes back. You can't. I would take the bus and go all the way to the local government in Karu and all of that. But yeah, my, my whole point is that at that time, you know, NYSC is a time where, for those that don't know, after university education in Nigeria, you have to do one year voluntary service where you you know, work for the government for shit, for nothing. You've got paid peanuts. You just, it's just a way of sort of giving back to, to the government, to the, to the country, I mean. And yeah. at that time, you're also posted to different parts of the country. It's supposed to help you. It's like some, some kind of orientation program where you go and learn about other cultures and mm-hmm. very diverse, <laughs> whatever, of Nigeria. So that's the, that's the thinking behind it. Now, the execution and the actual reality of it is very different. So... For most people, we feel like it's just one wasted year of our lives. Just let us go into the job market immediately because NYC on its own doesn't really add much to, to, to people. They, don't, they have some skills programs and all of that, but I can tell you for a fact that I didn't attend anything. I didn't learn no freaking skill during NYC. But that's when I met Anne, so at least that's a positive, right? Yeah, I yeah. mean, you achieved something. <laughs> we have so many friends. We made so many friends. Yeah, we did make some friends in that NYC program. So um, my whole point about NYC was that, you know, I studied engineering and studied it, studied economics. And I think our very first jobs and went straight into banking. And I started working in a real estate company after some stints in some other very funny, funny jobs. But I <laughs> eventually ended up in a, in a real, estate, real estate subsidiary of a company. And we just started our careers from then. So the conversation is really just to sort of talk about some of the enablers, things that helped us in our careers and some of the pitfalls to avoid, especially as a young um, person yeah. when you get into industry, especially an industry that is quite maybe not not familiar or maybe quite different from what you had studied and all of that. So Anne is the perfect person to talk about this and that's why she's on the pod. So Anne, tell us a bit about your first job. I remember then at NYSC, like going into banking was like, you know, it was a big deal, you know, We're like, whoa, man, you're now in money. <laughs> and all of that so tell us how was that experience yeah I was lucky I would say I was lucky when it came to like first jobs in Nigeria because I think you already stated we're very bleak when it came to prospects we just did NYSE for the fashion of it and we're kind of clueless and I think banking sort of found me I think we met someone who shout out Banke and thank you for referring me for the job like she just casually mentioned her sister worked in Diamond Bank and they were doing some sort of internal recruitment and I gave her my CV without even thinking about it like to me I'd not started searching for jobs like I wasn't in that mind space yet to start searching for jobs so when she called me when I got the text message to go for the interview I still wasn't mentally prepared like a lot of that's process of going through the exams and the interview was just like you know when you haven't started searching for a job Mm -hmm. and the Mm -hmm. job comes on yeah yeah it just breezed by like I couldn't even believe you when the job offer came I was still doing NYSC so I couldn't start so that's why I'm saying I was lucky like they had to wait for me to finish NYSC I remember someone called me from Lagos like are you even serious (laughs) you're not a serious person at all who gets a job in these days and refuse to, I'm like, see, I can't just leave. Yeah. So I'm not going to go into like a long speech about any um, 
what they call it tips and tricks that I used for being going from a position where I didn't know what I wanted to do and then finding a job. Like I said, it was just all luck when it came to my situation. Like someone came in at the right time and it happens to some of us. Some of us might have to deal. Yeah. So yeah, I was lucky, but Diamond Bank was really a game changer. It was like my first proper experience. I had interned at a bank like before NYSC for like six months in GTV, Uh but it was a different, different experience. Like there you're still not like a full staff. Uh So you don't get the full picture, but like at Diamond Bank, I was now a full-time employee. I had to go through training school for six months. And Doris, remember how much I lost to it? I was really gonna say, and you aced your training school, and she was the best graduating trainee yes. or something. Yeah, I remember that. Like, we all I like that was the money. Like, <laughs> and we got to meet the MD in Lagos, and yeah. he was like, "Ooh, you're so small. How did you come first? I'm like, "You don't know me. You also know." <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, but that's right. it. It was a good first learning experience like because it came with like a lot of responsibility. It was a head office role where. I was like technically the only head office staff in my location. So you had to manage yourself. You had to be responsible for yourself. Right. You're dealing with clients that are way more knowledgeable than you. Mm-hmm. It's a very You know how they think like it's an old boys club, if you mm. know, private banking. Yeah. So when they yeah. come into the office and they see you, they don't rate you, Doris. It was, <laughs> I think that's like my biggest struggle trying to get my clients to respect me mm-hmm. and see that I was the person in charge. Like, I had situations where they come in and they look towards the male tellers. Like they don't even know half of what we're doing. And they ignore me totally and go and speak and tell them about their problems. I'm like, last, last. They will still come back to me. So when they finish explaining to the man, the man would come to me. So how do we sort it? I'm like, you see your life. (laughs) (laughs) You see, yeah, Anne, this thing you said is so so true about, especially where you said dealing with clients that know more than you. Um, I, mm-hmm. I also realized that in my career as well, as I, as I, be, as I began to rise, I was a po- there was a point in time where I was managing a few properties and we had a lot of clientele that were like HNIs, which are the sort of people that you were dealing with, that's high net worth individuals. And these people have their money. They know how to make money. They're, they're not just, money did not yeah. land on, the, they didn't win the lottery. I mean, they have, <laughs> they have a brain and everything. And when you're, when, you're, when you're talking with these people and everything, sometimes, you know, the first thing is for you to sort of earn their respect because yeah. they already co- approach you with the fact that, oh, she's just one person that's been put here because she's a woman. And, you know, women are better in these roles so that they can make rich men pay money for stuff. So at first I used to go with that approach. Like, hey, if someone is even trying to smile at me, I'm like, don't smile too much, sir. Please, my name is this and this is what I come to do. You know? So it took one one time, my boss said to me, Doris, people like you cannot sell houses. I, I was like, what is he talking about? He said, no, like, I won't send you to go and talk to people when I want them to pay money because you use English, you're speaking English and everything and this is not what they want to hear. So um, if I need people, someone to go and, you know, engage somebody with their mind and make them make a decision based on their mind, not trying to hoodwink them. They are the person I would send for that. So I guess that also now helped me start, start gaining some kind of respect to the clientele because I'm not here saying to you, sir, please just sign a check. It was just like, hey, Mr. Man, we have something to do. See the technical terms, see the legal terms, do this, do that. And the person sort of got my respect. So that was how it was for me. And Anne has also said the same thing that um, it's quite difficult, you know, in that kind of space for them to respect you off the bat. You have to sort of earn it, yeah. right? Um, and so in that industry where you were, and can you tell us, are there any kind of things that you can do that help you gain that respect quicker? Yeah. Like for me, like I said, I was like one woman army. I was, I was not just fighting the clients. I was fighting the branch as well. Cause it was a brand new role. Like mm-hmm. ideally the branches handle everything that has to do with private banking. And I think the bank itself had sort of 
changed approach i wanted like specialized units to handle it so it's like i was brand new in the branch like trying to take over activities that was under them so it wasn't met with the most smiles there was a lot of resistance to that so i was good cop bad cop to not just external customers but to internal customers and i don't play bad cop well so it's about fostering relationships and proving value mm-hmm. i understood where every single person was coming from and if you could just find the balance and consistently prove the value i think if i had any motto about how to get out of difficult situations in like career work it's always finding a way to communicate your value in a way that everybody understands what they benefit from it right. like i was just able to let them know if you're handling your branch stuff you don't need the extra pressure and trust me i'm not a salesperson so if you're worried about people coming in to bring in accounts and you're worried it's going somewhere like i don't need it like i'm going to give it to you and i started helping them out mm-hmm. it took like way more work than was necessary do you get yeah. like it's something i had to do outside my job description just to make sure i was making friends in the bank mm-hmm. and with my clients as well it's the same exact thing if you quickly understand what the job is asking you to do and you find a way to communicate your value effectively to them I promise you they're going to be your friends like till till today I still get messages after like 3 years like hello diamond bank I have a problem you don't even <laughs> call me and again so it's like Mrs fix it I swear find your <laughs> find your know, niche like, sorry to button here like I still get calls every freaking day I was in Abuja yeah. some days back and I was passing in front of one of the properties and I saw that my number was there but it was shaded out I said why am I still getting calls from these people <laughs> current tenants new prospective tenants everybody is still calling me on the phone to fix one problem or the other so like you said it's yeah. like showing value very quickly that also helps you become like a lifelong trusted partner to these um people um, so yeah. do you have any funny stories from this <laughs> this experience what's like the weirdest thing that ever happened to you in the bank in nigeria uh-huh. Doris, tell me you've never been frustrated at bankers in Nigeria to go and scream. Oh my god. Have you fought? Have you fought in the bank? We suffer. It's yeah, so hard for yeah. people to think we're useful. Like everyone just hates bankers and it's not just Nigeria. I have the same thing in Ireland like where everyone is always blasting bankers. I'm like what the hell? <laughs> so yeah, so all my stories would be about like screaming and I only mm-hmm. had it once. Right. Just once. It was horrible. Wow. It was horrible. Did he scream down the branch or what? Luckily, we remember how my office is. It's like one small, small isolated exclusive lounge. Yeah, another yeah. So when he just started going off, I just went close the door very carefully because ex- ex- private banking is so funny. There's a fee attached. It's a fee paying service. So mm-hmm. sometimes you have clients who fall off. Mm-hmm. It's normal, but your oh, job now becomes yeah, it's normal. But your job now becomes like Doris. You now have to be the one to say yes. You used to get these benefits, but unfortunately, <laughs> your money is finished. Though, like. You no longer have money in your account, so I have yeah. to bounce you. Like, you yeah. become the bouncers. And when I bounce this guy, it took me a while. Like, I don't just tell you off the bat. Like, I kept noticing, and he was just too bossy about it. Like, he would bring friends, have lunch in the bank, uh-uh. he's sending me around. And me, I don't just have the balls. Like, I was like, oh, gosh, what do I do? What do I do? When he had, it has reached me like this, I'm like, okay, Mr. Man, it's nice having you but this has been so many months your account is not picking back up you have to bounce into the regular banking hall jesus <laughs> who the hell do you think you are you think you're pretty my <laughs> wife is prettier than you do you know who my father is okay wait forget and <laughs> oh my god why do nigerians do this nonsense do you know who i am like who gives a flying f what you are i don't get it unfortunately for me his account officer was the person i took over 
the whole private oh. banking team from and she kind of trained me but she didn't know she was training her replacement so it was difficult for her to just give up the oh seat that yeah that, that's when she that heard happened. that mm-hmm. the next day was the general meeting for everyone so she went up and she was like i have something to say oh god that was <laughs> died it wasn't enough that i just got screamed at for no reason yeah she wanted to speak about it in the whole branch, like all the teams. You remember my branch was a yeah. regional branch, yeah. so it has like bigger teams. And I was still new. I was still trying to find my place. And she's like, you know what, guys? This is what Anne did. This is what Anne did. Hmm. Then Anne did this. Then Anne got the customer to this level. <laughs> oh my Luckily, my, my regional manager is so. She was ace, yeah. Customer cannot pay. Remember how she speaks? I know how, yeah. oh, Send him out. Send him out. <laughs> yeah, I so it ended well. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. Well- it's so interesting, yeah, because uh, I think for young girls that are just getting, starting their careers, maybe after NYC and all that, this conversation will be very helpful because, you know, Anne and I shared similar experiences. I also remembered one guy as well that came and was shouting at me over something. I can't remember what it was, and he was saying to me that, who are you? You think you're pretty? Um, he said, if I want, he said, if they crown Miss Nigeria today, if I want her in my bed tomorrow, I will make some calls. <laughs> you are not even as pretty as the girls I go around with and everything. Yeah. I'm like, so, in my own case, like, Anne will probably not answer them back. Me, I used to just give it no, back. No, I don't have the balls. No. I still don't have the balls. Because my own, I'm like, me. what's the worst that can happen? I get sacked, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like it's death. It was like, somebody's going to shoot me. You know, so I, I, I totally get that. Yeah, you have to be you have to be soft, but you also have to be tough as nails. That's something I've I've learned. Like it's one or two things. You have, it's a balancing act really because you have a job to do, but you also have to understand the importance of relationships as you go along the way. Some of these people that you fall out with or you have some kind of a um conflict or something with along the way, you they end up becoming like maybe your best client along the way or the best yeah. colleague or whatever. You guys always make up. But that mutual respect is earned when you can, you know, put your foot down and say, Ma or sir, this is what this is what I have to do, this is the position and all of that. Without being rude. Without being saucy. Yeah, that's a very funny story. Thanks for sharing that, Anne. But yeah. so you now, Jackpad. <laughs> and Jackpad without looking back. <laughs> I didn't think about it. Like I didn't I couldn't see like any growth path. Mm-hmm. I'd analyze, analyze, and guess what? I was running away from sales. Like yeah. I was thinking, like, well, okay, it's time. I've been here like over four years. Like, what's the way forward? Yeah. Yeah. And then you found yourself in Dublin, Ireland, where you did your master's. Um, mm-hmm. I add, you finished your master's with a distinction, very flying oh, colors, best, <laughs> best, best of everything, you know, and uh, Dean's List, all them, all the, all the nine, nine years. And somehow you ended up back in banking. And yeah. you did that for a bit as well. But ultimately, you are now with Microsoft, right? So um, I, I don't know. I want to have one podcast episode about you know finding a job and settling in a different country because that's a whole other conversation. And I know yeah. that we cannot do that justice here. But me up, I would give you everything: the tears, blood, <laughs> sweat, and tears. Yeah. <laughs> but how are you liking your life in in Ireland so far? Oh gosh, like you already know me. I don't think I have fully integrated yet because every stage of my life abroad has been tied to me aggressively seeking something out. So mm. I wouldn't be the person that will tell you all the places I've explored yet because maybe my first year I was trying, like you said, to mm. make sure I do the masters and not just do it for the sake of doing it, but like in yeah. every single thing. Mm. And the very next step, the minute you graduate, even before graduating, it's like 
over to the next hustle. Yeah. Okay, now I have to get jobs. Unlearn everything I've learned about studying and learn the different ways about networking your way into the right type of job. I wouldn't say I first got into the right type of job, but I go into a familiar sort of um, career. I remember when you're having issues getting into the job you want, because I wanted to go, go into investment banking, but my career wasn't in investment banking in the past. Mm -hmm. So I had like issues breaking in, like it wasn't very rosy. So what I did then to get a job, yeah. I had to focus on the talent I already had, like the transferable skills I already had, and that was already in banking. Right. So yeah, it was right. sort of easy to push that and go into banking but of course you have to keep your eye on the prize like even though you're there doing what you need to do to bring the money you mm -hmm. just need to keep working studying after the jobs to make sure you get exactly what you want so that's like one of the biggest advice don't be shy don't be embarrassed to find yourself in places where you're doing the job you don't exactly want that's not the dream job that's mm -hmm. not the end goal yeah. as long okay. as you consistently remind yourself like i'm gonna give it to these people during the nine to five mm -hmm. and once mm -hmm. the job is over i have to continue doing things that will take me to the promised land <laughs> let's call it the promised land yeah oh in fact, see me, I was listening and nodding my head to you, Anne. Because <laughs> <laughs> that is such good advice, you know. Like sometimes you may not be doing the job you want, but it's just all stepping stones to the to the job you eventually would have, you know. So never take any experience to be uh, a waste, you know. Just build competencies in them and see how you can, you know, network your way into the the future you you want. You maybe studying, taking more courses, whatever it is that you need to do. Um, yep. So yeah, that's very valuable advice. Okay, so and enough of the serious stuff, you know. <laughs> People will think that maybe when you and I hang out, this is all we talk about, like oh, lies, always nonsense. <laughs> I'll be like and and we say Doris, hey Dorisi, that's what you even call me so. <laughs> So, let me ask you the first thing is what what's your secret talent and tell us oh i found out my secret talent recently and it's matchmaking <laughs> like why are you laughing it's a serious thing like love is what everyone is after why are you laughing at me this is serious so, business how many people have you matchmade successfully that have ended up at the altar you know we just <laughs> form out I can't give you facts and figures at this point in time, okay. but just know that I've been working behind the scenes to ensure everyone is <laughs> Don't ask me about my own love life. Okay. Just know that in the life of others, this is the way I'm doing my own giveaway. Careful. <laughs> <laughs> but let me give you some credit. You've actually matched with me to... Let me count how many guys so far. How many men? How many men? Two. I know two. I can remember. I don't know if there's another... Oh, there's one of that foolish guy that was working in your organization. Do you remember? That dropped me he's off. Remember, he's my friend. Oh, that's true. That's true. That's true. Thank but yeah, you. yeah, he wasn't just my. To be honest, like I'm always thinking about what's important when I'm speaking to people. Mm. Like in your case, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think I've seen you date anyone that's not evil. I'm sorry. Yeah, very so, fully. Online for me, like any evil man that was my friend. I'm like, do you know about my friend Doris? <laughs> <laughs> oh I, oh my god! Like, but that was actually fun times. I remember one of the guys that you. Introduce me. I can't remember, obviously, you can't call names now. That one was a grill message or something. I was like, and grill messenger, we forgot to. That was one. Then the other one again that used to have one was driving one kind of white bands. This was like maybe <laughs> eight years ago, like I know. And then the other one again in your organization that was just very boring. I'm like, and which kind of nigga is this? Like, I don't understand why you found him boring. Like, I mean, maybe I'm a boring data, but to me, I'm always looking about at um, compatibility, at paper. <laughs> On paper, is he good? Like, can we get a mortgage together? Like, what's his credit rating? I'm sorry. Like, 
boring people are very good in relationships no not not for me not for me i swear i swear i feel like uh, nah. if you cannot hold a conversation i remember this guy was driving me home and we were all just quiet in the car like say <laughs> it's an uber <laughs> And he's very chatty in real life. That's what's strange. What, so what, what was that? Fake life? No, I think like first dates or first weeks or first months in relationship are really awkward. Very awkward, awkward true. That's yeah. true. That's true. I can give him that. He was, was a bit Or he's still single though. His marriage, a bit engagement, did not work. So this <laughs> is the same way. My own did not work. <laughs> wow, this is giving me ideas. You guys <laughs> might have things to trade, like stories to trade. Careful. <laughs> Anyway, so your your secret we now know our secret talent is uh, matchmaking. So if Anne ever sets up a matchmaking industry, if we just saw one thing in Lagos here on Instagram, a sponsored ad matchmaking Lagos or something, and people had like thousands of followers and all of that. I was like, oh, well, somebody has seen the gap in the market. There's a helicopter flying over my house right now. Can you hear it? No, I can't hear it. The noise counseling is really good. Okay, great, great, great. Okay, so. Have you found that um, people like in their twenties always dread turning thirty? Like it's like something is like dread. Like, oh my god! Yeah. Like what happens after then? Oh my god! Am I now old? Oh my god! Like, so yeah. for me, I'm, I'm currently enjoying my thirties, and I know you are as well. We're in our early thirties, but I, I think we approached it. Well, I approached it with this whole my god, nobody will be able to tell me shit anymore. Like I'm just gonna be living my own grown woman pee, like enjoying my life, which is what I tend to be doing. Um, but Anne is also on her own pee as well. So Anne, do you what are the things like you can say to people like Shelly, because I know you have a lot of younger friends, right? Yeah. And so if they were to listen to this podcast, what would you say to them about turning 30 before I go? Yeah, I think I was like uh I didn't react to it very positively at first, like mm. especially when you have goals for yourself. And mm. I think that's the problem. When you're in your twenties, you you overthink everything. Yeah. Society has given you this timeline, like turning 30 is just the worst thing that would ever happen to you. Nothing could be farther from the truth. Like your 30s is where you have the finance, the finances to do everything that you dreamed about. You have the wisdom, the self-awareness. Like now that I think about it, I'm like, why were you fucking depressed? Like I was actually depressed the night before. I remember there was no light and I was just in my own sitting in one corner. My mother kept trying to ask me what's going on. (laughs) Yeah. But now like I'm happy that I had that experience. So I'm able to look at both sides. And when I'm speaking to my mentees, I'm able to actually give them real life practical experience about why you're overthinking things. Mm. Like overthinking, to be honest, if you're worried about that age, why were you not worried about 28? Why were you not worried about 29? What's this societal pressure that has been put on where a new age is now the problem? Problem, yeah. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, like she said brilliantly, 30s is when you can afford to do a lot of things you've always wanted to do. It's when you can sort of, you know, live that life that you've sort of dreamed of in your head if you can afford to do it. And just be really independent. So I personally did not approach my 30s with any kind of dread. I think I was just going, I I don't even know. Because I'm an old soul, I don't even know why I'm always just hoping to just be, be finally able to do the things that older people do, if that makes any kind of sense. So... I was just happy that, okay, now I can say I'm in my 30s. I'm no longer a child. Nobody's going to look at me like I'm talking like you're not, you don't even know anything about life. You know, nobody's going to question how much I know about life now because, hey, I've lived it. So I approached it like that. And I can say it's one of the best years so far. It's still pretty early, but I mean, and also for me, it's also the fact that I know that there's some things that would happen now. I know that within my 30s, I'll become a mom, you know, that kind of thing. You become married, all of that. So it's just 
that hope, that expectation, and you know you're doing it on your own terms, you know. So that's one thing I love about it. Now, are there things that you do not really like about it? To be on- to be honest, like there's, I can't think of anything, and I'm not trying to blow smoke over anyone that's having that level of anxiety. Mm-hmm. I think when Doris and I talked about podcasts, because it was so personal to me, I. The t- every every time I think about starting something, it's always about thriving in your thirties. Yeah. I've spoken to too many people, and I know there's so much anxiety around that. And I now that I'm on the other side, like I'm thinking about it, and I can't see why. But yeah. when I was in that period, there was nothing anyone could tell me. I hate motivational speakers. Like me too. Don't, <laughs> <laughs> don't tell me anything. Just let me feel what I'm feeling, and I'll be able to handle it but what i can tell you is on the other side it's like the best phase of your life mm. i already stated it is where you have every single thing you need to succeed already put in front of you you've got the experience mm-hmm. and if you find yourself like giving yourself targets like i haven't met so and so and so before i was there like who promised you why did you make such targets yeah, like I know. And it's another year for you to take it and analyze like why you didn't hit it it has nothing to do with turning 30 that you you don't have that job mm-hmm. and please if it's about marriage my god i hope the reason you're dreading turning 30 is not because society has told you you're exactly. not married or you don't have a child because I have news coming for you. It's not going to get better as you are <laughs> with that mindset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, on turning 30, like you said, if your anxiety is about the fact that you're unmarried and all of that, like you said, it's never going to stop. You know? You're not married until you're married. So that, what's the point of worrying about it? Like if it didn't happen when you were 29, it's probably going to happen when you're 35. It can happen when you're 50. It doesn't even matter. It's going to happen if you want it to happen. Don't people, I should have scared them. <laughs> I'm just stating the fact, like, I don't see what worrying about it helps you achieve. Especially for, as a woman, if you're a man and you want to make the move, yes, you can make the move. And as a woman, if you're ready to propose to somebody's son and all of that, that's all well and dandy. But my whole point is, I haven't seen the benefits of just sitting and worrying about it. Like, oh my God, yeah. I, can't, I can't believe I'm not, I'm not yet married and I'm turning 30. Like, whoever promised you that you're going to be married before 30 or you have your children before 30. What about if you got married? At 21 and your children don't come for another 10 years another 15 years what exactly is promised in this life nothing so my own pov is just very very different is that whole thing of living a loving wholesome happy life with whatever in whatever way it is right it doesn't i can't set any goals that are not within my power to to achieve so um that's that's it something else that um Anne and i were talking offline is also the fact that you should also be ready so when you turn 30 to maybe work with people that are much younger than you in teams and mm-hmm. you guys will be at the same level or maybe there are some of them might even be higher <laughs> may even be your boss you know your boss could be a 21 year old or a 25 year old so you would have to sort of unlearn if you're if you're nigerian that whole huh, I'm, I'm, i get your mate for house you know <laughs> <laughs> oh my god they say this one not even reach my younger sister ajo see you and see the way he's talking to me side i still find nigerians having that problem like you get a taxi mm-hmm. that you're paying for and they give you an attitude like because they are much older you know some of the cabmen yes, yeah they are much older maybe you entered and you did not greet good afternoon and i don't feel they hold like the white people by that standard, yeah, that standard. I find black people are always too difficult to be ourselves like <laughs> yeah, that's one thing like i have managers that are 20 year old if i stick myself and start thinking it's a problem for me like meeting mm. friends i think i've called you back home like mm. complaining like meeting friends dating like everyone around me that wants to be with me is like younger oh my god younger men annie <laughs> yeah let's, let's not lie like younger men these days yeah no you guys are doing well for yourself 
And do you remember when we used to say, never, never in my life, I'm a, God forbid, I'll never be with a younger man. It's still like that for me though. Like I still don't, the minute you tell me your age, I'm like, I'm sorry. So you still age, don't do it? No, I still don't do it. Like I, I enjoy the conversations, but I don't know, as much as we advise people to change mentality, it's not something you do in a day. Yeah, it it's like be, a lifelong yeah. process to unlearn some things. I think you've told me how long it takes people to create habits. It's not yeah. like the easiest of yeah, things. Yeah, true, true, true. Uh, well, I'm just less <laughs> less ageist. Like, I mean, if you just have a good head on your shoulder, we can have a conversation and we can enjoy each other's company. I'm all for it. You know, I've dated younger and I never, ever thought. Now, I think I owe a lot of apologies, uh, apologies to all the people that I used to tell off and just treat very bad because we're younger than me. When I was like 24, I'll be like, you're 23. I can't believe you. <laughs> Yeah, as you get older, I don't know why that happens. Like, and thank God we're like growing, we're, we're aging backwards, Doris. Well, we are aging backwards. <laughs> so, these people, when these young boys, when they come and meet me, I already know that most of the guys that come and say hello to me or whatever, I already say, so that this person is like one or two years younger, or maybe they're my age. At best, they're my age. And it turns yeah. out that they're like one or two years younger. And it now seems like the younger boys are now on this, um, I must date an older woman, P. I don't know whatever, whatever is going on there. But even when you ask them about their exes, they show you their exes. Their exes were like five, ten years older than you. And you're like, oh, okay, really? So that happens. And then, you know this show I always watch? I remember Ready to Love Now. You know there's a new Ready to Love Now? Yeah. Ready to Love on Oprah's TV own. Oh, no, I never watched it. That black dating show. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know. I just followed their Instagram because you pointed it out to me. But it's so hard to watch some shows. <laughs> that one. That one is funny because the youngest age of the people in that dating show, the youngest age would be like maybe 35, <laughs> like 40, 45, 50, 47. Some of them are even grandparents. Some of them, but they look very hot. Though, you know what I mean? But the whole point is that for them, they said that whole ready to love thing is that at that point, you are ready. It's that intentional, like... I have taken out myself, forgetting everything that is, nobody's compelling me to love. I am the one who has seen that I need to love and I'm ready to love. Do you get? Because what we tend to do when we are uh, chasing that 30, I don't want to turn 30 without getting married. You just look for the first person or the one that just makes you smile. Oh, I'll just do that. So it's not as if you're actually ready. It's not like all the boxes have been, it's not an intentional um decision so to speak it's yeah. just yes i want to do it so i'm not encouraging anybody to wait till they're 40 and 50 or 45 before they start finding love but whenever i watch that show i always laugh because the kind of dating the kind of conversations they have you can just see it like nobody's here to mess around nobody's anyway like i think i said it earlier like the level of self-awareness in your 30s like now i even think about it like you know who i was dating when i was about to turn 30 yeah. just imagine yeah. if i had allowed society to pressure me to feel bad mm. and i got married to that person yeah how much do you think would have still been together today mm. how many phone calls would i have made to you to tell you like this was dead beats i know so, ended a hello they should not have been a relationship true so i think your 30s are like the best well let me not say the best like even 20s you're going to meet fantastic people but if you've crossed that line mm. and you're there like dating is better yeah orgasms are better <laughs> when i was coming there and because i had this article like i remember i read this article when i was like maybe 25 um this this girl had this uh article on bella niger then um isio isio knows better remember when we, when we used to read isio knows better right so show something about being 30 i'm just gonna read the bullet points because they are very funny so the first one here is say you may blossom for your 30th so you're gonna get rounder which is well i never added any weight to i don't know why yo i hate her for it like Anne's stomach is as flat as a cardboard i don't know how but i know that 
towards my 30s and even now in my like early 30s i'm a bit rounder i'm no longer that skinny mini size 8 girl i'm now like wearing it it's um, 10 to 10 to 12 so yeah you get you feel out a bit more maybe because you, your metabolism will reduce a bit next thing is that you will stop caring so much about everything for everyone fact or not mm-hmm. Fact, 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 fact. You stop caring so much. Yeah, I was such a pushover. Like, I'm mm. someone who did not, like, I care too much. Like, oh, God, this person doesn't like me. Yeah. Oh, my God, now. <laughs> <laughs> now. I said, now, like, I've been blocked. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus, finally. <laughs> you the boss to do it. But thank God. Good on you for doing it. In the past, I would have cared so much. Like, calling yeah. Doris. What happened? Now, what's my business? Yeah. You can your now. Enjoy. Exactly. So you stop caring so much what people think or all of that. It's not just, it's not your business. Like not every prize is worth the hunt, you know? So you've like, ah, does this thing, would this thing matter in five years or whatever? You know that whole through. If it won't matter, I wouldn't even give a fuck about it. Then the next thing is, um, something else is that your hormones will start to, you know, orgasm should be better, you know? You just sort of enjoy your body more. All that shyness and all that whatever will be put aside. So, so yeah, that happens. Uh, what else? Say you become friends with your parents. Fact. 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 Plus SSS. <laughs> I understand her then. Like, I just thought she was difficult and yeah. in pain. But now it's like we're friends. Yeah. yeah. Fact. You become so much friends, so much, you become very friendly with your parents. You understand them better. You now understand that when you were a child, they were in their 30s. So now you're in your 30s. You can now see that. Oh my God, this woman had pressures. Like she had things. She not only had me, she had like how many other children? She had family pressure. She had different things to deal with. And I was just there thinking that she was just a mini. She wasn't being mean. She was just, you know, I guess you become more friendly. And we can also have those women to women kind of conversations. But I think in your 30s, you begin to own your space a lot more and you get, gain that respect with your parents, you know, especially your mothers. I don't know about men. Maybe just, I don't know how. We can only talk on what we know, right? And um, both of us were raised well i say um by sort of single mothers my mom had to sort of step up when my dad passed and when he was sick for a long time so having these strong female figures you know raise us at that time we thought they were a bit harsh and very strong but now i can see that oh my man if not for them if not for the way they had to handle i'm not even sure i can do it and do you are you interested in carrying that type of baggage like me it's only enjoyment i love exactly now we talk about and where we are meeting for summer. Oh, let's come to London. Oh, oh, oh. Those women did not have the luxury of that, you know, because they had us to sort of take care of. So, and which is also important that we mentioned that for some women, some of our peers now, they're also in that in those shoes. They have children that are in, you know, turning five, turning ten. So all their priorities are around that, you know. So their own thirties experience will be a bit different from ours. Maybe we, it might be a lot more similar to what our mothers had to go through. But what is different is that the women who weren't married when they were 30 never used to have podcasts or whatever to come and talk about their own experience. So as young women, all we ever thought was turn 30 or, you know, become a mother, become a wife. And that's just what, that's all that happens. And those that were unmarried were looked at like, hmm, not knowing that those women were enjoying their lives. Like. <laughs> Oh, well, well, societies begin to accept you. I think in those days, if you were 30 and you were not married, I feel sorry for you. Yeah. Hey, I feel sorry. But now, I'm like, nobody bloody cares. Exactly. Nobody cares. Like, everyone has, like, one million problems and you're, you're the least of their worries. So don't make yourself lose any sleep over that. I, I'm sure we've been able to sort of do some justice to that to make you understand that your babe, your man, is only going to get better, you know, and 
Yeah, yeah, I would always say to focus on the things that are in your control. Like, for mm-hmm. example, you're not in control of the things you worry about. Well, mm-hmm. how about channeling those energies into your career? I think that's like what Doris and I have done, like trying to be boss babes. Like, yes, this is not in our control, but we have so-and-so jobs. Mm-hmm. We're going to ensure that we channel all the energy we have right now to ensuring that we are maximizing whatever opportunity comes to us. And I think that's what we have seen similar and that's mm-hmm. why we're friends like mm-hmm. yes we don't have this we don't have that but whatever it is that we have and is in our control we're going to ensure that we max it out and when those other things come it means you have every single thing you need to succeed at them you have the finances you have the right mental head head space True. you've got like, self-awareness to handle whatever it is be it a relationship be it the next job be mm-hmm. it a networking opportunity you're just ready but if you wallow in that fixed mindset of dwelling in all your problems like oh i wasn't able to achieve this i wasn't able to achieve that trust me you wouldn't grow you wouldn't grow i agree and spot on spot on in fact round of applause round of applause for that (laughs) that was well very well said i'll add nothing else to that um i think you know this conversation has just been very very beautiful we did not have (laughs) any kind of guidelines we didn't have any bullet points on what we're going to talk talk on and i was like doris what are you going to talk about what's that? I was like, oh, let's just let's just go with the flow and we've actually gone with the flow and i think we've been able to touch, touch on a couple of things talk about careers how we started especially hearing from Anne because i've talked about my own story a couple of times so Anne is a guest here and she's been able to share how she started her career some of the things that have helped her and some of the pitfalls to avoid as well. Talked about moving abroad, talked about, you know, turning 30, which is very important as one of the anxieties young people have and how you have to dispel that and just forge ahead, you know. So, and I didn't really know what to expect when I was looking, okay, no, I knew what to expect, but you've <laughs> sort of exceeded my expectations. You know, this is why I wanted you to be a co-host on this freaking podcast, but you are too busy for me <laughs> yeah because <laughs> Anne always has a lot of views she has a lot of things to share and all of that so i'm sure everyone has enjoyed listening to you talk guys hit me up on career advice i'm not the fun person but i could help you with talking about how to play the office politics how to find a mentor how to find a, a sponsor how to network yourself into the careers of your dream so yes Ooh. That's me. <laughs> okay, so you want to teach us how to uh, matchmake ourselves into the, the men of our dreams. Oh, sorry, I forgot about that. That's like the most important thing. I'm thinking of starting <laughs> a app. Please send me messages if you too, through Doris. If you have, there is a dating app. Do you watch Ted Lasso? I've talked about Ted Lasso to you a lot. Do you watch it? Have you watched it yet? on Apple TV? There's this app. Obviously, it's a movie, so I don't know. I don't think that app is, exists. It's called Banter. But I wish somebody should put, put it together. It's all about talk. You don't see the person. You don't know nothing about them. All you guys have to go off is just conversation. So you have a pseudonym or something you call yourself. Let's say my name will be Lucky, Lucky Number Seven or whatever. And whatever guy is somewhere will be some other name. And we'll just chat, you know. And you can be chatting with anybody because you're not cheating really. It's just then you will now check who do I gravitate towards. So I'm talking to like five guys. But then mm-hmm. this guy always go to his chat first and all of that. So you see there's, there is a connection there. And then at some point, you can now meet face-to-face. But the, the connection is very genuine. Just like naked attractions. You know how we say naked attractions? Naked attractions scares me. I don't know why I have problems with people's body parts. Actually, it's just scary. Okay, so if you don't catch, if you didn't catch the reference, Naked Attraction is a TV show in the UK where it's a dating show or matchmaking show where you meet people, everybody comes on the show and they go naked right so you meet you meet their body before you meet the face <laughs> so 
<laughs> it was one of my favorite things on television and I and I always make Anne watch everything I watch. I'm sorry for all the stupid ratchet shows I've made you watch in your life. Hooks me up with my favorite show. So please <laughs> send me recommendations. So this particular show, what are you doing? Are you on a, you're on a podcast. You can't be making all these stupid sounds. I'm picking them up. Vitamin C. Oh. <laughs> anyway, so Naked Attractions is so interesting because it starts off as the person that has come to find love is standing on one side. Then they have different boxes of like naked people in six different boxes. Then they now start revealing them from their feet. They show you only the, the from the waist down. So you're seeing their genitals. They're not covering anything. Nothing is shaded. And I can tell you guys for a fact that the thing that blew my mind about naked attractions is that it's daytime television. They show it around 9 p.m. Like children can still be awake. God. When we're in the UK, like some months back. Yeah. She was bisexual, so she got to see both. Yeah, like, male, male and, and when it went to the guy, like he wasn't circumcised, but he could make his thing dance. <laughs> I've ever watched on TV. Like when it was time for him to show it, he makes it dance, dance like yeah. and all that skin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, that show gives me <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite shows. I swear, it's just like it's a mixed bag. So yeah, you could be bi, you could be gay, you could be whatever. You come and find your partners. What I don't like is when I see. Um, genitals that have piercings because like what the hell you see some of them on the bell end they have like a huge ring you know all those punk guys now <laughs> is it the prince albert they call it or something it's crazy so that show is just one of the most stupid ratchet shows i watch but i think the the principle of it or what the what it aims to achieve is for you to find love without even seeing the pressing first or hearing their voice or whatever so you want to see whether you're compatible sexually do you like what you see almost underneath the clothes before you come because we all come into dates looking our best and all of that so there are different gay dating shows and i feel like um the one that one called banter if there's anything like he would be my best you know i would be my best as well yeah I yeah this one is completely anonymous so it'll be a nice nice idea so yeah that's your that's your thanks idea for sorry what'd you say no thanks for that feedback like i'm making notes okay. <laughs> i'm going right. to do something tell microsoft no no don't tell microsoft do it on your own man become the next bill gates oh i don't know who you're new about working Order. in a tech company is that you have like a million people willing to help you on the beta testing or whatever it is you need to build mm. so i'm kind of happy like yes mm. just working it out <laughs> well, thank you so much annie berry finally finally oh god oh it's about to go down so um (laughs) you guys already know that Anne is my girl and she's gonna be coming back to the podcast from time to time so this is just her debut podcast episode um and i'm sure everyone that listens will just know why i love her so much and why we're such close friends because we think alike we're we really really um have our heads in the right places i'm someone that rub off someone's energy i know that uh, man i can call Anne about i don't even have to say jack like those particular time Anne sent me something a screenshot of something like her job someone had recommended her i said see what Anne had done and i was screaming i had tears in my eyes <laughs> this was one thing about money being added to Anne or anything or some kind of new job role or whatever it was just me knowing what that means to her you know so i I read i heard something in a podcast about having a sort of committee of friends or like a steering committee of your life you know how for every single serious thing or investigation or in a company you have a board of directors you need to have some kind of a board of directors or a steering committee of your life so different friends that have different types of competencies that can come in and help you at different things so you can have the friend you talk to for career the one that is a relationship advice the one that when it comes to money advice the one that you call to gossip with some of them can play different roles or like with every committee but the thing is just having that kind of a committee 
gives you some kind of a safe haven where you know that uh, if I'm falling, you know, there's a friend of mine that I can call and say, oh my God, girl, guess what I just found out? And person is like, oh, they understand what that means. So we need to build people around us that we can genuinely love and that really care about us, that we can go to when we have any kind of concerns, pains, um, you know, people that we can just be, they don't have to be family. Some people, they also say very clearly that we choose our own families sometimes. Some of them we are born with, but as you go along life, you're also supposed to start building your own family. That could be from friends, from whatever. So, <laughs> Anne is one of those, um, definitely part of my committee, and she's one friend that I've gained a lot from. So I'm very happy that Anne, you've come on the podcast and shared this knowledge. You've given them a bit of what I enjoy all the time. <laughs> so thank you so so much i know you're not a social media person whatever so where can people link up with you if they have any kind of career advice whatever they need is it linkedin is it what tell us thanks stories for having me and unfortunately i'm that boring person like i, I keep saying i'm boring but everybody finds me interesting thank you jesus <laughs> very act- well i'm not active on linkedin i'm not active on social media but yeah connect with me on linkedin and let's have a chat about serious stuff okay. it's what i love to do all right right so until i bring you on on the podcast another time where we can just play games and just laugh and people will not be able to relate that is these two girls that had this chat that are having the other chat <laughs> so i have serious conversation you need to put this disclaimer out there so they don't think we're like so serious we haven't ever just sit down and speak for too long about serious things. <laughs> yeah so thank you so much annie and see you very much soon so say bye to everybody bye guys thanks for having me and thank you doris it's so nice to see your vision come true and i'm so proud of you thank you oh thank you to annie berry so guys this has been another episode of thanks for asking if you have any questions concerns all of that please send an email to tfapodcast at gmail.com and we also find us on instagram at thanks for asking podcast you can click the link on our bio to send your questions you know find us on all the platforms and listen and enjoy the podcast so until next time it's bye bye from me bye